Hi, I'm Chief D, and you're listening to A Totally Warranted Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things Chief, from how to become one, to when to retire, and everything in between. In this podcast, we'll discuss topics surrounding your board packet, attending school, life as a warrant officer, and beyond. So grab your favorite beverage and sit back as I take you on the journey of life as a chief. Hello, 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 everyone. How's everyone doing today? I'm excited to bring you the first official episode. If you haven't listened to the trailer, this is where I go over everything you need to know about the podcast. I touch on who I am, why I'm qualified to take you on this unique journey, and exactly what kind of journey we're headed out on. To briefly recap, my name is Chief D. I'm a 420 Alpha by trade, and I'm here to give you the scoop on how to become a warrant officer. I'll even walk you through part of the process. I'm not a warrant officer recruiter, but I am a real live warrant officer here to give you my thoughts and opinions along with some facts. I plan to take this podcast from the birth of a warrant officer to retirement and hit everything in between. The journey is going to be long, but don't worry. I've got time today. You can expect a new episode every Tuesday. This first season of the podcast is called how to become a warrant officer. In this season, we'll go over every step of the process from packet submission to completion of the basic course. Then that's where the fun starts. So now that you know what to expect, let's jump into the episode. So you want to become a warrant officer. In this episode, we'll discuss the qualifications for becoming an army warrant officer. Please keep in mind, these are up to date as of July of 2023. Remember to always check the Warrant Officer Recruiting webpage for updates to qualifications and forms as they occur often. I'll link the recruiting page in the show notes. But before we get into qualifications, let's briefly talk about what a Warrant Officer is. A Warrant Officer is a highly specialized expert and technical leader in the U.S. Army who possesses advanced skills and knowledge in a specific area of military operations. Warrant officers are appointed by the Secretary of the Army and serve in various leadership positions across the Army, including in combat arms, combat support, and combat service support branches. Warrant officers are uniquely responsible for bridging the gap between enlisted personnel and commissioned officers. They are highly respected for their technical knowledge and proficiency. They are often sought out by both enlisted soldiers and commissioned officers for guidance and expertise in their areas of specialization. The role of a warrant officer in the U.S. Army varies depending on their specialty. Still, they serve as technical experts and advisors to commanders and senior leaders. They may also lead teams and train soldiers in their areas of expertise. Warrant officers are critical to the Army's success as they bring deep knowledge and experience to their roles. They are essential in ensuring the Army's readiness to meet the challenges of today's complex operational environments. Wow, that is probably the most Army thing that I've said all week, but it is true. Warrant officers know a thing or two because generally speaking, they've seen a thing or two. Now, for the sake of putting it out there, you should know that my focus is going to be on active duty Army warrant officers. Why? Because I want to speak to you from a place of experience. So that means I need to focus on what I know. 
And so I'll be focusing on technical warrant officers more specifically than aviation warrants. However, if I get enough interest, I will certainly reach out to some of my guard, reserve, and aviation Womies for their input. If you'd like information on any of those areas, please shoot me an email at chiefd at totallywarranted.com and let me know what you'd like to know. I'll link my email address in the show notes. Now, let's talk about eligibility. There are two types of eligibility requirements to become a warrant officer. Those are general or basic eligibility and specialty-specific eligibility requirements. Now, general eligibility requirements are going to be those standards that all warrant officers must meet. Consider this your minimum standard. They include things like having a 110 GT score and having at least a secret security clearance. Specialty-specific eligibility is going to be those things you must achieve in order to meet the qualifications for the warrant officer MOS you want. Some of these items include background experience, college education, and certifications. I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can find the basic qualifications and the MOS specific qualifications for the warrant officer MOS you would like to apply for. So generally speaking, all warrant officers must meet the following requirements. You must be a U.S. citizen between the ages of 18 and 46 years old. That's going to be 18 and 33 for our aviators. Be a high school graduate or have a GED meet all height and weight standards, pass the standard six event ACFT without restrictions, pass a commissioning physical, have 12 months remaining on your enlistment contract, be of solid moral standings, and not exceed 12 years active federal service, although a waiver can be requested for that one. That's a lot, isn't it? In retrospect, it isn't even scratching the surface of the full scope of requirements for your specialty. So let's talk about specialties. There are currently 17 different warrant officer MOSs listed on the recruiting website. Each has a list of feeder MOSs associated with it. A feeder MOS is an enlisted MOS that will generally produce the technical knowledge necessary as a foundation to create the desired warrant officer MOS. For example, The feeder MOS for a 420 Alpha, a human resources technician, is only the enlisted MOS 42 Alpha. But the feeder MOS for a 131 Alpha, a field artillery technician, are 13 Bravo, 13 Juliet, 13 Fox, 13 Mike, 13 Romeo, 11 Charlie, 11 Bravo, 19 Delta, and 19 Kilo. There are multiple warrant officer MOSs that are open to all enlisted MOSs like 153 Alpha, Rotary Wing Aviator, 170 Delta, Cyber Capabilities Developer Technician, and all of the 255 series, as long as you have four years IT experience. So after understanding the general requirements, you really need to sit down and understand what warrant officer MOS you qualify for. This is going to be essential to the next step, which is putting in your packet. Hot tip, you can apply for up to three warrant officer MOSs on your application, as long as you meet the requirements for all of them. Now, from the feeder MOS page on the recruiting website, which is linked in the show notes, you're going to press the warrant officer MOS you are interested in, and it will take you to the page designated for that MOS. 
Once you're on the page for the MLS you're interested in, you're going to see information from the branch itself telling you what you need to know. Each MLS page is run by the specific branch, so they're formatted differently, but should typically include prerequisites specific to that warrant officer MLS, information you need about putting in your packet or any applicable waivers, as well as appropriate points of contact information for the warrant officer proponent in that branch. This page for the MOS is going to be your bread and butter. It's going to hold all the pertinent information and generally tells you exactly what you need to know. Information here is specific to the warrant officer MOS, so make sure you are looking at the correct page. Once you understand what you need to know to qualify, and you know you meet or will meet those qualifications by board packet submission deadlines, then it's time to put your packet together. Now, there are full examples of what I like to think of semi-completed packets on the recruiting website. Now, I call them semi-completed packets because they're not going to give you the in-depth specifics like a full example of the summary page, but they're going to highlight all of the key sections of the forms so that you are filling them out correctly. Now, this page is going to be linked in the show notes. On this page, they include examples of both aviation and technician packets, which is an amazing update and wasn't originally there. Again, packet examples are highlighted to ensure you see certain information. It also gives you a brief description of what needs to go in each section of the form. Now you can walk through the information on these forms there or read my walkthrough in the blog called Getting Familiar With Your Resources, which is linked in the show notes. Currently, there are about 10 required forms in a board-ready packet for technicians and additional forms for our aviation peeps. There are a minimum of six additional supporting forms each applicant will need, not including any necessary waivers. You should know that while supporting documents are necessary for your packet submission, they do not go before the board. Now, on this page with the full examples, there are also going to be links to every form that you need from your packet. Now, you can pull the forms directly from this page. Please note that the forms with red asterisks are required for all applicants regardless of MOS, so make sure that you're paying attention. At a minimum, the packet you submit should include a DA Form 61, a USAREC Form 3.3, 3.2, and 3.1, a security clearance verification review, a STP, a DA Form 160, a Statement of Understanding, a DA Form 705, all NCOERs, all 1059s for service school completion, any college transcripts, and then any MOS-specific forms or appropriate waiver requests. Essentially, with this packet, you're preparing your military life story to go before the board and its members. So make sure that you're paying attention to detail and completing everything fully. Prior to going to the board, your packet will be reviewed. 
it's going to feel like it's been reviewed at least a hundred times before you get it submitted. Let's face it. Everyone who's signing it with the exception of your medical provider is going to want to see it. And that is going to include those writing your letters of recommendation. Then after it gets completely signed and turned into the warrant officer recruiters for submission, it will go through additional rounds of scrutiny to get you ready for the board. Now that you know the general packet process and what that looks like, I want to detour really quick and take you through a form that I feel doesn't get enough love. Now, that's going to be the resume. The resume, aka the USAREC form 3.2 is a beast. It is 17 pages of what did I do to deserve this? And it must be completed in full. The sections one through three of the resume are pretty simple. And then in section four, the fill in the blank adventure begins. I want to give you some tips that I've seen from my experience that will help you get the best results on your resume. Tip number one, follow the directions. I know, I know it seems pretty silly, but I had to say it. Tip number two, for your military experience, you want to write about your assignments beginning with your current assignment and going backwards until your enlistment. You want to make sure the things you're highlighting are unique to you. If I can change the name on the resume and turn it as my own, then you've done yourself no justice. Be specific, be measurable. Tell us how that job got you ready to be a warrant officer. What did you achieve? What additional duties have you done? How have you exceeded the standard there? But make sure you're not just taking the bullets from your NCOER because those are already in the packet. In the civilian experience section, you're going to do the same thing, but with your civilian work history. Tip number three. It's okay if you don't have a civilian work history. Just leave it blank. But you must keep those pages in the resume. Do not remove them. For military education, you want to begin with the most recent and go backwards to the beginning. Again, ensuring that you aren't just regurgitating the 1059 or ATAR's descriptions of the courses that you took. Tip number four, you want to highlight the importance of the course in your career, how it prepared you for your roles and responsibilities, how it shaped you to get you where you are today. Make sure that you're not including special skills courses like Airborne, Aerosol, or Pathfinder, though. Now, the very last page of the resume is the summary. On this page, you are speaking directly to the board. You're showcasing your ability to write effectively, pay attention to detail, and to keep on track. Tip number five. It doesn't have to be a whole page, but it should be a complete story and paint an appropriate picture of why you should be selected as an army warrant officer. Speak about yourself, your skills, what you bring to the table, but be careful of MOS specific jargon. You aren't guaranteed to have a person from your potential MOS on the board. So you want to make sure that anyone is able to tell why you deserve to be selected. Okay. I'm sure you get it by now. The packet is probably the single most important thing in this whole process of becoming a warrant officer. Without a successful check in this box, 
the buck stops here. The only other thing that could be considered more important than your packet at this point in the process is your mind. I bet you didn't expect me to say that, huh? But we will touch on that in another episode. So getting back on track. Once your packet is submitted, it will go through a series of checks by warrant officer recruiters. They will give you any feedback and track any changes required with you. Once your packet clears them, it will go to the proponent for your MOS, who will make a determination on if you qualify technically to apply. Once they make their determination, your packet will move forward for any necessary waivers. Prior to the board, you want your packet to be in a board-ready status, meaning it's simply waiting for the board to convene. Once you achieve this status, sit back, relax, the work is done. From here, the board will convene and you will find out via mail per message if you were selected or not. So, I mentioned your packet being in a board-ready state, but I seem to have missed letting you know when you should be submitting your packets. So, let's touch on that. It's actually pretty simple. You just need to go check the board schedule. There are four accessions boards per year for warrant officers, and each MOS usually is boarded at two non-concurrent boards per year. I've dropped a link to the board schedule page in the show notes. Also, I mentioned warrant officer recruiters, but I didn't exactly tell you how to find one. Now, warrant officer recruiters aren't going to be, you know, hanging out in your local MEPs or your local recruiting stations. They're going to be strategically placed in regional teams. So to help you find a warrant officer recruiter close to you, I've dropped the link in the show notes. It's going to cover all the locations in each region and give you the contact information for each recruiter there. Fun fact, the majority of warrant officer recruiters are actually enlisted. You can talk to any recruiter you'd like, but I would suggest calling one in your region so that there is less hassle with time zones and follow-ups. Okay, back to the board. There are a few different results that can occur at the board. You could be fully qualified select, meaning you were selected, fully qualified non-select, meaning you are fully qualified but not selected, and your packet will go before the next scheduled board automatically. You don't have to do anything else. Or non-competitive, non-select, meaning your packet has been seen before the board twice and not selected. You must now wait 12 months from the initial DA Form 61 date to resubmit your packet. There is a waiver for this if you look on the waivers page, but you got to meet some requirements. I will link the waivers page in the show notes for you. So hopefully at this point, your packet was fully qualified, selected. If that's the case, then within the next 45 to 90 days, you'll have emails from your new career manager giving you follow on guidance. And that, my friends, is where we're going to stop today. If you'd like more information on what happens next, stay tuned to the next episode of a Totally Warranted podcast where we'll discuss what happens after you get selected. And if you're like me and you like to skip ahead, you can jump over to the blog and read the blog post, What to Expect After Selection. I'll link it down at the show notes. Well, all right, that's all I have for you today. 
Hopefully, this journey has served you well and you're ready to get the ball rolling. If you want to stay up to date on the latest podcast episodes, make sure you subscribe. By subscribing, you'll get notified whenever a new episode is released. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook or IG as at Totally Warranted, where I will keep you up to date on daily life as a warrant officer. Thank you again for joining me on this journey, and I can't wait to see you on the next leg of the race. I'll talk to you soon. You're listening to a Totally Warranted podcast, a podcast by Chief for Chief. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, would you mind leaving a review? A review lets others know that this podcast is worth their time and will help them on their journey to embodying Chief. We'll see you next time.